Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Fired it's Mexico's manager Diego Coca's new favorite podcast because he definitely does not like LT right now in soccer we trust. I'm Jimmy Trashcan Cream Cheese Conor Dino Conrad, also known as Jim, alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce, also known as the Heartbreak Kid. And like always, we have a great show for you today because we're talking why the U.S. men's national team is awesome, why the process of rehiring Greg Berhalter was not, and what should our expectations be heading into this upcoming Gold Cup. But first. A shout-out to Heath for holding it down by himself on the post-game show. What an absolute beast, Heath Pierce. What a guy. What a guy. It was actually a, a lot of fun. Um, but I, I'm excited to actually play off of each other today. Yeah, you got, you got to talk for 30 minutes straight. Why isn't that? That's awesome. You usually have to share the mic with me and Charlie. You and I, Jimmy, you, you are the only uh, male in your household, and as am I in mine. And sometimes we just don't get a lot of words in, you know? And so, uh, <laughs> uh, it was good to just let it all out, uh, with no interruptions, but the comments were popping off and I appreciate everybody tuning in and joining us again today. No, it was great. And, and, uh, I think what I want to speak with you today, cause I thought you did a great job of breaking down a big two zero win against Canada. It's really the themes, the big takeaways from the two games overall. Not only did we really exert our dominance over two teams that we'd struggled with in the past, obviously didn't beat Canada in World Cup qualifying, and, and at times Mexico does give us some trouble, uh, maybe not in recent years, but prior to this past game, we'd only actually won one out of four, one out of five. Every game had gone into at least maybe even extra time for us to find that result, or we just got straight-up draws. So it was nice to get a comprehensive win in that way. And, and one of the themes for me, and I really want your thoughts and everybody listening or watching live. And, and again, we appreciate your support. Was the fact that this team clearly loves to play together, Heath. Like there is, you know, I know there's the joke, all oh, the vibes and, and well, no, there can't be vibes there if Christian Roldan's out on the team or whatever the low-hanging fruit is there for the jokes. But there is something about this team where they just love playing for each other. And that, I think, supersedes anything else that's out there. We can talk tactics. We can talk about individual player performances. But when you have a group of players that are willing to play and sacrifice and suffer for each other, 
that ends up being much more important. That 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 makes all the other tactics and everything else that I just described, it gets amplified, right? Everything just seems a little bit cleaner. Guys are working for each other. They're doing the thankless work. Uh, and and ultimately, and we saw it definitely in the Mexico game, and obviously we saw great elements of it against Canada as well, that lends itself to making the plays that need to be made at the right time. And, and it really kind of sets the tone for we're going to win this game and there's nothing that you, this other team can do about it. And the more that we can bottle that up and, and demonstrate that we have that quality every single time we step on the field, we are going places, Heath Pierce. Yeah, I mean, what, what I would say about that, Jimmy, and I fully, fully agree, is that doesn't come overnight. That came over three years, right? Of winning, of losing, of trials and tribulations, of good times, of bad times. And that, I think is where there's a lot of context missing in the soccer landscape of all these criticizers out there of what it takes to build a special group. And nobody is above the law in the special group, right? And I'm not going to go down the route of the Geo thing or whatever. We, we've covered that so much. It, the reality is, is we have never said anything, but Geo likely has the most upside of any player in our national team pool before Balogun. Maybe Balogun does. But generally, we've all said, he is the future star. When you saw him against Mexico in, 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 uh, in, in that game where he dribbled past level, you could see all of it, right? But how you build a special group, and we spend most of our time in club environments, Jimmy, and, and you know how it is, right? You could have the same group first half of the season, crap results, crap attitudes, crap coaching, whatever these things is, but either for or against the, the coach or the, or the, or the, or the uh, um, I guess, the, whatever it is, you come together. And you build something special out of going through tough times. This team is now qualified for a World Cup, played in a World right. Cup, won two Nations right. League, won a Gold Cup with a wider pool of players. And now we're getting to that special A group. And that's what makes that it's special, right? If all of that went wrong, Jimmy, these guys aren't just going to be like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. I want to play for each other. It's the national team. We saw that in 2018. Okay. Right. We've always had a special group of players that love playing for the national team. But you become special when you look back and you go, oh, my gosh, we're actually doing this. Oh, my gosh, we got a result against England. Oh, my gosh, we got out of our group. It doesn't matter how confident we are, where these guys play, or how big of players they are. There's always a little bit of that doubt. And until you prove yourselves as a group, and until you look to your right and your left and you go, oh, man, I just got burned on the wing. And guess who came through? One of my teammates laid a guy out for me. Or when I got pushed in the back by a teammate and somebody comes over the top and pushes them back, that's when you build that camaraderie. But it doesn't just come from vibes. It comes from being no, on the right. field you're and right. being through good right. and bad times together. And that's of what's course. leading to this group being special now. Yeah, and I think that people are going to obviously try to link that positive or negative with regard to Greg Berhalter's influence. He definitely has some influence. We can't take anything away from that. I do think that there's a conversation that needs to be had is, is was this going to happen anyway for this particular group? They're the ones on the field that have to make the plays. They're the ones on the field that have to take whatever tactics and information that have been given and, and go apply that and execute on this. And they've done that to great effect, as you mentioned. I'm really excited about this group. I think the addition of, of Fuller and Balligan is, is immense. You know, just his little... His little movements, the, the the wanting, the confidence, like he wants the ball. You're going to give him the ball. There's no there's no doubt that he's going to do something with it. I think those, I don't want to say vibes, but those intention intentions from, from Balogun, I think, make such a big difference in terms of what he's looking for and the angles that he's trying to create, the, the space he's trying to create, and how that can open up opportunities for himself or for others, and obviously a very well-taken goal against Canada. Another thing that I thought we did really well, and I spoke hold about Hold on, Jimmy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want you to what, finish what, that what? thought. But 
Carroll somewhere in England said, hey, we got a result against England. Whoa, it was a nil-nil. That's England were one of the favorites to win the World Cup. We weren't even we were we were thinking wow. about how we were going to get out of the group. I think a nil-nil is, is a result in a World wow. Cup. Anyways, go back wow. to me. Finish your thought. No, no, I'm I just want to state for the record that uh <laughs> Heath has been triggered by the comments less than seven minutes into the show. Yo, uh, I know that's not have, a record. Char- Charlie still has the record, me, but like upsets me, Jimmy. Upsets me that we thought we were gonna get Pep Guardiola. That we thought the options were gonna like how spoiled are we as Americans to think that we're just gonna get to the round of 16 uh in in a World Cup and be like, well, we got this golden generation, we're gonna get this best coaches in the world, and we're gonna keep get the best players in the world like that's just anyways it was a result no ahead, no Jimmy. no I mean I, I it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day as I do by myself walking around <laughs> and, and we talked about the France right and how they're just a factory of just producing all these world-class players and their U20 team I'm going to use them as an example they're the favorites to win the U20 World Cup dudes didn't even get out of their group right so it, it's it's not it's just not that easy to your point I'm, I'm backing you up here it's just not yeah. that easy to have success in these types of competitions. And I do think a 0-0 result against an England team that was favorited to win it was an important result for gives you a lot of it's different belief. reasons. Yeah. Belief. And also, I think we created the better chances in that game. Weston McKinney had a, I don't want to say a sitter, but it, it was close to being defined as a sitter and he hits it over, right? If he scores that, it's a different game. Now, that said, if England's down 1-0, I think they come and get a little bit more thirsty on the attacking side and maybe take some risks that could lead to them having success or to us counterattacking. But that's what we, we don't wanted have to that, go back to that game. That's but that's what we wanted against Canada, right? First 10 minutes it was dicey. We couldn't find any space. Our midfield three were having trouble getting through the lines and that's the start of any game of of consequence. But we got the early goal and we never get that with the national team in a big game, right? It always takes forever it seems like to get a goal and once that happened, then Canada has to decide do we send more numbers forward? How are we going to adjust? How are we going to adjust? Gonna adjust? Yeah. And that's yeah. where the game started to open up. They settled back a little bit. We started to be able to play through the midfield. And that's where we started to see our star players like Gio Reyna uh, get the ball in better spots as opposed to three guys up his back and he's having to play negative the whole time. We're starting to like, you know, those those just that triangulation started to come to life because we earned the ability to play through the midfield after getting that first goal. Yeah, I think there's a couple things at play here. And we'll talk about Balogun here, but he actually had a bit of a soundbite after scoring his first goal for the U.S. men's national team. So, producer Des, let's roll that clip, please. Take time to build relationships with my teammates, but um, I don't doubt myself. I mean, I saw Jay with the ball. I know his quality, and I just made a short run in behind. It was a great slide pass, and then I was just able to do what I normally do. And I mean, yeah, I'm just delighted that um, it helped us to be able to win this game today. And I'm delighted that you scored, Ballo, because you're an excellent player, and I think the movements that you're making make a big difference. Now, I did see a comment there from Spicy Pineapple about Balogun and, and his movement in the attacking third. I think there's a couple things at play here. One, we had more attacking players on the field, Keith, right? We, we have Gio Reyna playing centrally. I think that is something we've been clamoring for for a very long time on this podcast, and I think you mentioned that yesterday on, on the postgame show. And I wonder if BJ Callahan actually listens to the pot at times. <laughs> but there's also something funny about, about BJ Callahan, right? He was the interim to the interim after, after Anthony Hudson left. By the way, and Jimmy, oh, the- hold on. They're welcome. No, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. We met, we met, I met BJ in a coffee shop months ago. You did. And now did. here we are, champions of the nation's league. You tell me <laughs> what else we need to do. We've done everything. I don't We've know. done Balogun. We did Balogun. Okay. 
We, we won. Did. You just won the Nations League because of my coffee meeting with BJ. Um, you know, we, run we, in. We, we definitely recruited Balligan. We were on that. Like that was one of the. I don't remember, we did one podcast. thing before that as well, but I can't remember what it is. You know but, what? We, I mean, we we we, didn't, we deserve more credit than we're I. We're also humble. But we're also humble. So very humble. Very <laughs> humble. Uh, Chuck being the most humble of all of us. But but I think what's interesting is if you're the second assistant, you have ideas as a coach, right? If I, even though, you know, you obviously have to be beholden to the, the, the top assistant and, and of course, uh, to the head coach and you have your role within that coaching staff, but you still have your own ideas. Now I know BJ Callahan has never been the head coach of anything at any point in his life or whatever, but, but he's not too far removed from that and that responsibility and talking to players and knowing how to get the most out of them. He's so close to that. So there wasn't like that big of a jump in my humble opinion, but he had ideas. And I think some of the ideas he had this opportunity now to be like, I'm going to just play more attacking players. I'm going to put Gio Reyna central. And maybe that's something he always wanted to do, but never had the courage to tell Greg or Greg was like, nah, 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 this isn't the time. If he did have the courage to say something and Greg was like, no, nah, I'm feeling MMA in midfield instead or whatever it may be. And I actually think you made a good point the other day that maybe MMA is dead. You know, that might not be the way for us moving forward because we need that extra attacking player. At times, at it, times. At not, times. I, I don't okay. want to say unilaterally. Sure, sure, sure. Like, yeah. yeah, okay, that's fair. You don't want to say it unilaterally. But, but what I would add is, what I really loved about this particular group of players, when you have more attacking players on the field and attack-minded players, you have Dest and Anthony Robinson and Scally, whoever's out there, they're looking to play forward. They're looking to take their first touch forward. Everything is trying to get into that space, and they're very good at breaking down players 1v1. So when you get enough of a, crea a creative space, we'll take Gio Reyna's assist to, to Ballo. He finds himself in a good spot by attacking that, that first touch he takes into the space, and nobody steps to him. That's it. They're dead. Canada was dead at that point. Balogun obviously makes a very smart run and has a great finish. But, but we needed more of that. We saw it against Mexico. We saw it replicated against Canada. And this is a Canada team that I have a lot of respect for. They have an identity. They have confidence. They know who they are and what they're about. And yet they still struggled with, with us and those pockets of space. And I thought that was tremendous. Now, we're going to run into an opponent that knows how to stop those, that stuff. And, and now we're going to have to adjust. And that's going to be that next evolution for the team. Can we solve that in real time and not have to wait till halftime or after the game? To be like, Well, next time we'll try to unlock it. Can our players figure it out in real time? And I think we have the talent to do that. Yeah, the team and and quite frankly, Greg, right? Uh, I think mm -hmm, there was mm -hmm, a, mm -hmm. I think, and, and and I said this yesterday for for everybody uh, mentioned, I would, I'd be looking at these games and saying, look, this is how the team is capable of playing. You can take this risk. And now we never had a Balogun before. And so we struggled to get the ball to our strikers. Balogun knows when to track back, when to get his touches. But those little darting runs, putting Gio Reyna in a spot where, if you watch him play at Dortmund for the last couple of years, is always better when he's in combination play, right? When he is running at defenders and people are spinning off. That, well, what's interesting that, is, what's what, interesting, yeah. I'm going to cut you off. What's interesting is that that's what we loved about Ricardo Pepe, right? Or you mm -hmm. in particular, like he, he, he looks to combine. The combination yeah. play is, is what he's looking for, but it just feels a little bit different with Balogun in there. And and it's well, interesting that the, 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 the fine margins between you know, individuals and what they bring in their attributes. Balogun's change of pace in tight areas, that explosive two, three steps on a little diagonal run, right? To just slow, 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 go. And to have a player like Gio Reyna, that if you just watch that ball back again, the ability to be on the run, and, and Serginho Dest played the same one um, against Mexico, to play a weighted ball that's going to eliminate defenders, but die in the run of a player is unbelievable right it mm -hmm. is not that is not a skill set that you just see 
or whatever. It is a world-class capability to be able to do that. And we've seen Gio do that consistently when he gets minutes and when he's not injured and whatever at, at Dortmund. And to have him in a spot where he's able to do that and then a striker who can make those runs. I think Pepe brings other players into the game. I think his hold-up play is good. I think he's active. But that 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 three, four steps when you're playing against a low block even, those little darting runs that pull defenders in and out of places, we haven't had that before. And I think Balogun just brings another another level of that. And also, there's just something about, you've been around it, where, where if you're around a player that has a certain level of quality, I don't know how to explain it other than you just you marvel at it. You're just like, I, I know what I can do and what I can give to this particular player in terms of service especially an attacking player and what he can do with that service. Even like, you know, when you play somebody a ball, I mean, I had a chance to play with, with John O'Brien. I'll use John O'Brien as an example. Unbelievable. Right. With his feet, either side, I could fire him a ball at his shin and he'd be like, no problem. <laughs> he'd be like, yeah. it's like he's smoking a cigarette, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, he brings it down. No. And then he makes the right, he's got three options and he makes the right, right pass out of that, that situation. Mm-hmm. And, and when yeah, you're was- around players that have that type of quality, it changes how you look at the game and how you think you're going to attack. Now, I think that Ricardo, in fairness to Ricardo Pepe, I think he has it. I just think that Balogun has it more consistently. You're going to see it from him more consistently than we would with maybe some of our other younger players who are talented, but are they showing that on a consistent level? And I think that's what Balogun has in spades at the moment. And then you got confidence, man. Confidence is a hell of a drug. And I think that we played on the front foot. That's another thing I wanted to bring up. I had it written down in my notes. What I loved over these 180 minutes against our two top rivals in CONCACAF is that we played on the front foot the whole time. And even when we didn't have the ball, it didn't really feel like we were threatened. Did Canada have one or two looks? Sure. Did Mexico? Not as much. They had a, they had a few in the second half, but we were up 2-0, and that's the yeah, way it sure, kind of sure. you got to just hold on. But they had a few sure. decent, really decent. But looks. yeah, overall, though, yeah. I didn't feel like I was never... I didn't feel... I wasn't sweating it, right? I was never nervous uh, watching these two games. And so that that's... That's a great sign. And so I'm excited. Now, obviously, for the Gold Cup, we're going to be moving into another team, you know, and we're going to get into Greg Berhalter uh, right after our first break and and the re the rehiring process and Uguchi Anyewu going on to CBS Sports uh, Galasso and and Morning Footy and, and talking about kind of that process a little bit and, and the way forward. And, and then we'll hear from Greg himself in his press conference. But the Gold Cup, what are, what are your expectations? For, for the Gold Cup. I know we'll obviously have plenty of time to break down this whole tournament and everybody that's involved, but w- what are your expectations given what you've seen from this Nations League group? Oh, I mean, we should we should win the Gold Cup. Obviously, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a different... It's a different I but, mean, but a whole different set of players. A whole mean, different set of players, but we did that with a whole different set of players in the last Gold we Cup. Did. We um, did. And so I, I think you have to prove uh, that we've got a deep enough pool and those players who I think are probably looking at this team, right? If I'm... Uh, Mark McKenzie, for example, uh, even though he's, he's not going to the gold cup, but he, because of, he had some injuries, um, that I think a so- shoulder injury, something in the last game, but if I was him and I was going into the gold cup, I'll use him cause he's not, I would look at the nation's league and I would be so excited for this team, but I'd probably be a little heated inside, right? Of saying right. I've now got instead of two games where maybe I got a few minutes, maybe I got to start. I've got potentially six games to prove I'm good enough or I'm not. Now, I'm not saying prove you're good enough to, to fans because we know that this group that's being called in to the Nations League, uh, there's a lot of people that just don't like certain players that play in Major League Soccer, and that's fair enough. They don't have to. But I think you, when you look at this, this roster, you've got enough quality of players that have a chance to, to, to prove something, right? Uh, to continue to uh, knock on the door. When I think about 
players like, um, obviously, you've got Sean Johnson, Gaga Slonina, and Matt Turner. You're going to get Matt Turner probably those minutes in that one. I, I, uh, I honestly hope that Slonina gets some minutes, with all due respect I, I, to Matt Turner. But, I, I, but I think this is an opportunity to move Matt Turner, right? I think this is an opportunity to get him a move this summer. Um, and so more minutes, get him get him those consistent minutes. Because he's not going to go. He's going to go back to Arsenal and sit on the bench if he doesn't go on a loan somewhere. But when I think about this team, there is enough quality to to continue to move things forward um, at, uh, and, and, and try to win this Gold Cup and broaden or deepen our player pool. When I think about guys that I like from this Gold Cup, Mihailovic, I like Aiden Morris. Uh, I like Cade Cowell based on how he played in the U-20 World Cup. Can he do that at an international level when the, when the, when the speed is a little bit higher? Yeah, right. Zendejas, when I think about the back line, Miles Robinson, Brian Reynolds is a big one that I, that I want to see. From him, Jalen Neal's another young player. Didn't go to the U-20 World Cup, but I think could John Tolkien. potentially we don't necessarily Tolkien. have a lot of depth at left back. Yeah, and he's been solid. I think he's got a lot of upside as well. But those are the types of players. Gagaslanina as well, if it wasn't about getting our, our number one, the move that I think I'd like to see him get this summer, I would say for sure he's another one. And so there's a number of these players that I really, really like and I think can have a coming out party uh, at this Gold Cup to put a lot of pressure in our, in our player yeah, pool. Right. right. I, and, there was a number of guys that weren't used depth. in this 23 yeah. uh, right. or whatever the number was for the uh, nation's league that they should be knocking on the door to say, Hey, first I'm going to get into our a squad and then I'm going to try to, to knock somebody off uh, posi- uh, of their position. And there's a long ways to go, I think in these groups, but yeah, I like it. No, I, I like, it's obviously a huge opportunity and, and I still kind of laugh when people get upset about, you know, the roster we're bringing, we, we now have this nation's league competition. That's now for better or for worse, being dedicated to our a, a team. And now we have this, this, this gold cup, which yes, you want fans to buy tickets and they want to see our best players. And I get all that. I have nothing but respect for that. But I think also it's a huge opportunity to see what else we have in meaningful games. Everybody, you know, doesn't like the, the January cupcake, cupcake camp uh that that you and i needed to kind of showcase to the coach i didn't staff need it that you needed it. i didn't need it you need i it. needed it i needed it well you didn't need it because you were already <laughs> through the system in some ways yeah. but i but i needed it and, and so i it has a special place in my heart but i think it's a big opportunity for some of these guys to demonstrate to your point can we knock off somebody a little bit ahead of you anyway we'll get into the more of that in the gold cup on thursday's show but uh, i did want to tiptoe into those waters a little bit because i still think it's a big opportunity for a lot of guys all right we're going to take our first break of in soccer we trust when we come back we're going to talk about the resurrection of greg berhalter and his second coming as the u.s men's national team coach so don't go Ooh. anywhere another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right, everybody, welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Davies. He's busy. He's in Vegas. He's probably at the tables right now, uh, blowing off some steam after putting in a long week of some good work there in Las Vegas. All right, so Heath Pierce, let's talk about Greg mm-hmm. Berhalter and the rehiring process. We actually uh, know or we saw on Morning Footy that uh, Gucci Anyewu, our former teammate who is now working with U.S. Soccer under, I don't say under, but with Matt Crocker, he revealed that Gio Reyna was not consulted ahead of the rehire. Does that surprise you? I mean, there's a part of me, and, and I'm trying to raise my kids this way, that nobody owes you anything, right? Mm-hmm. I, I that that you can't walk around with entitlement. That you know, this is this is uh, getting into the dad said, "Hey, Father's Day was just yesterday." Okay, relax, everybody. But but that nobody knows owes you anything, and, and that was hard for me coming out of retirement. I I thought, oh, I'm going to get a job for sure when I retired. I played in a World Cup. You know, you start thinking about all the things you achieved, and everybody's like, "Oh, that's great," but you actually don't or aren't qualified for what we need in this particular position, or you don't have enough experience to coach at this particular level or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a harsh reality. And so when I think should Gio Reyna have been consulted about Greg Berhalter? No, I do not think that at all. I, I don't think any of the players really ultimately should be consulted. I think U S soccer, okay, maybe you can talk to the, 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 the ones that are Tyler Adams, Christian Pulisic, uh, you know, maybe Matt Turner, those types of guys that, that you know are going to be part of the 2016. But I don't know. I just think it's that's it's, it's an interesting question. So I'm kind of curious. Do you think he should have been uh, consulted on on this? Not consulted. I think Given a there will up, be. A, hey, by the way. <laughs> not even. not. I mean, maybe at a certain point. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is there's a lot of healing that's got to happen, right? There's a lot of mending that needs to happen, and that needs to happen naturally. You can't force that. Jimmy, you and I have been with plenty of coaches. I would say 50% of the coaches I played for, I did not like. And I probably have a broken relationship, too. <laughs> we, we want names. Give um, us names. We'll leave the names out. We'll, we'll share names in, uh, on another day. Um, but But you and I have both been through coaches where you just got to get on with it, right? Maybe you disagree with the tactics. Maybe you disagree with the systems. Maybe you had a falling out with them. Um, and there's a time for that. And sometimes you have to be able to have two people open-minded, willing to come together. This is not about geo, by the way, this is about like the great thing is about, is about the Reina's. It's not about geo in my book. The part that's, that's hard to overcome is, is the Reina Burhalter dynamic because they were so close. They were family. Basically that falling out is different than geo being a young player who's immature, who didn't have the right attitude, who I think again, wasn't playing at Dortmund at times because there were players doing the work or playing better than him. We saw a different Geo in this camp. That was a new Geo. I wa- his body language was great. His willingness to do the work off the ball was great. When he got the ball, he was magical in the ways that we know. That's the Geo that you want. That's a Geo that's growing up, right? Mm-hmm, he's a mm-hmm, kid. Mm-hmm. He was a teenager. He's like, still a kid, to be honest. It, yeah, he's uh, for sure. And he'll be a kid for quite a while. But these are things that you go through that help you to grow up and mature in certain ways. Sure. And the, I hate to say this, but a young star like Gio Reyna is not a normal kid. He does not go through a normal high school. He does not go through a pathway where you develop certain skill sets and certain things. It happened to a lot of our, our young stars, right? You are a unique person that's lived in a very small bubble, and your world is a very tiny world. Gio is growing up. The time for them to come together, 
is going to be naturally when they bring it together. That's going to be people on Geo's Geo's team basically ha- having that conversation with him. That's people on Greg, and they need to come together. And Greg, being the one in position of power, needs yes. to lead that or sure. leave the door open for that conversation to happen. You can't force it with Geo. You, you can't you, give him an ultimatum. But I the get time that. will come when they when they when they come together. So consulting them, I think again, letting players know or consulting players and saying, hey, do we do we hate Greg like? Is there no turning back from this? Or, you know, I think that's important. But for Gio himself, like that is a natural thing that I think is going to come come together. Yes, Greg made the mistake. I know people are saying uh, of airing the dirty laundry. But we are now in this place that that it, it will naturally happen. And it's going to happen through results. It's going to happen on the field through getting on with it. And then it's going to happen on a personal level. And, and both of them being open-minded and, and open-hearted about how, how we're going to be able to, to move forward. Okay, before we get into whether Greg should have contacted him at any point during these last six months, let's hear from Greg Berhalter himself. He actually addressed this uh, part of the conversation with Gio Reyna. So let's take, let's take a listen. Well, I'd certainly acknowledge that there's work to do. Um, and Gio is an important player to this team. He's an extremely talented individual. And uh, I have the obligation and the commitment to coach him like I coach every other player. And I want, I want to get the best out of them. We want to get the best out of them. And we know that if, if we can unlock his talents, um, he's going to be a game changer for this program. So there's work to do. And part of it is working together with Matt and, and trying to build, rebuild a relationship that we know will be important moving forward. Yeah, so with, with Gio, I think the most important thing for him right now is to, to focus on uh, playing in a final and winning the final. Um, I can imagine after that he'd want some vacation, and you know that's not uh, meeting with me is not the priority. It's for him to get rest and prepare for the upcoming season. Um, we'll have time to do that. It is a priority, but we'll have time to do that before um, the September window. I think it's interesting that he, in some ways, I guess it's not. I mean, if there was some, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth, right? I'm side, I'm sitting on the fence here. I, I get why he would probably want to not have any contact with the Reina family. <laughs> but as it became clear that that he was going to take the job, and I guess this all happened pretty quick, according to JT Batson, who uh, the president of U.S. Soccer said, we kind of didn't really make a decision on Greg until last Tuesday, just a few days prior to the announcement. I didn't want to announce. I, we forced them to announce. Like the well, media that's true. forced that's an announcement to, to avoid the chaos. You know, It wasn't ideal right. timing, but it leaked. And so... Yeah. yeah, you got to get it. Yeah, you got to get it. Uh, you got to figure it out at that point. I don't know. I, I guess I got to sit with that a little bit more. And I'm, I'm sure that's not the answer everybody wants to hear with regard to reaching out to Geo. Maybe it would have. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I, I feel like that is more face to face. I guess that's where I'm kind of hung up. A text. I, I know the kids no. of today that that's how they but that's how they handle it. They they that's how they communicate now is through texting. Like I've dealt with some players uh, in my coaching side of stuff. And they would rather text than, than to get on a phone for sure. And definitely face to face is, uh, you know, probably third on that list. But I think that there needs to be a face to face in this one. And if he didn't get the opportunity to do that, and obviously he's found some reasons as to why he's not going to, whether to prepare for these games or to give geo some rest, I can see a, a little reluctance to, to try to address that and let kind of geo focus on being a player first. But yeah, it's a, it's an important relationship to mend, and I think that's very clear based on his statement. Can I can I just say something? I am really disappointed at a few players that played professionally, that played for the national team, that have been out there spending the last few days completely stirring the pot on Geo. 
right? That Gio played well. Like, oh, wow, who would have thought? This guy's good. We like, want I names. Think, <laughs> Give us go names. on the internet and you can find them. I think there's, I think there's <laughs> just a, I think it's just a really crappy, cowardly way to handle things by just being like, oh, look at Gio. As if they weren't watching uh, a Gio with an attitude at the World Cup. Gio now is a completely different Gio. Gio was one of the best players on the field. He's unbelievable. But the way in which you bring this back together, again, to, to, to go back to that question, you can't call. And Greg can't just show up at his door because it's more than just Gio and him, right? There's a lot of familial stuff. There's probably some betrayal of that coming out that Gio feels. There's some betrayal in the way that basically uh, Claudio Reyna has been shamed by the soccer community for the things that he did. That's, a, that's, a, that's his parents, Right. right? Right. And you you don't you don't just go like, oh, dad, you really let me down. I'm mad at you. No, that's your parents. And there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance in that and a lot of hurt that goes with with some of that stuff and having your name thrown around for months by the media. OK, and so there's a lot of rebuilding that has to go beyond all that. And it does have to happen in person and it needs to happen with probably some mediation and it needs to happen with with. You know, getting on with it and coaching a player in a camp, that's one thing. But to make it a personal relationship again, that's going to take some work. And so I think yeah, a call think, or think, a text is just impossible. Like you have to impossible. go through the yeah. right channels you do. To, to rebuild that. If I, had, if I had gone through something like that with anybody, take soccer out of it. It's not just as simple as picking up the phone and being like, hey, man, like how do we get past this, right? There's a right. lot that has to go into to, to, to something like that. And I just think, to put it you, on you, you soccer, to put it on Greg, no, to put it on the Reynos or Geo, it's just it's just too much. There's just you have to follow a process. Do you uh, think that, to, to that go through all that? Put on your psychological or a psychiatrist hat on. Uh, do you think that Greg needs to start with Claudio first? Like, I, I mean, obviously, there's so much with it, so much that we don't know. I, I think that's probably happening or happening or happened uh, behind the scenes that maybe have made this thing worse or or maybe a lot of it's being over amplified in the media. I don't know, whatever it may be. But I, I wonder if, if that's the first place, like the parents of or Greg and his wife kind of have a, 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 you know, come to Jesus meeting with with the Reynas. And, and then that positivity, whatever comes out of that might be able to ease any kind of pressure or tension that that Gio is facing. Because I do think there's going to be some tension. Ricardo Pepe's much different situation, but he hung up on Greg when he got told uh, he wasn't going to be on the World Cup roster. That's another one uh, to to mend. I know Pepe's come out and said some things being positive about Greg and what's behind us is behind us. I'm paraphrasing there. But but uh, the Gio thing is obviously a lot more complicated. And as we've already seen the evidence there, when you put him central and when he's motivated to play and he's ready to go and we see this new version of him with his... Uh, his uh, bleached hair, which is awesome. You know, I think he's excited to play for the national team, be around this group of guys. And then I don't think we should take that away from him. So it's going to be a really important relationship for Greg. And when I watch that, that press conference, Heath, mm -hmm. I wonder when Greg's sitting there going, I wonder if there's any moment like, ah, maybe, maybe this isn't the job that I want. Cause it's going to be hard, man. Cause this is his second time around. The expectations are higher. As you mentioned earlier and yesterday in the post game show, all these players have gone from kids and some of them are grown ass men now, right? They've, they've won things. They've seen things. They've been around. They've experienced highs and lows. They're learning how to, to navigate the high seas of social media and all these things. And so their responsibilities and what they can take on, you don't have to hold their hands anymore. They're ready. And so now you just kind of have to get out of the way, put them in a good spot. And I think that's what BJ Callahan has done. He got out of the way, puts a lot of good players on the field, 
put him in a in a nice, uh, relatively so. I don't know, simple, but but the guys were up for it, right? The energy was good. Playing on the front foot, having ideas, having risk taking, decision making, all that type of mm-hmm. stuff. And so I wonder if Greg can get out of his own way, and I think that's going to be the big challenge for him in the second cycle. Yeah, I I think it is. I. I Again, I mean, what what are your expectations blame, for Greg going? What like what what would be your reasonable expectations for Greg this well, time? Again, around? I, I, I go back. I go back to any the, fan stuff okay. out of it. I go back to the comments that Gooch made on the show yesterday on Morning Footy, and he talked about making sure that they can help Greg to grow and improve as a coach, and putting people around him that can help him to grow uh, as a coach. Greg lost two coaches to Major League Soccer jobs throughout the process. He'll probably lose. BJ at some point, who's clearly going to be uh, attractive to some people, uh, unless he wants to stick around. I think he's phenomenal. Obviously, also the greatest dressed manager on a sideline ever with his polo <laughs> shirts. The only By thing the that way, was missing he, he from should his get dad, off. Go ahead. The only thing missing from his like dad core outfit was to rock those pants with some like flip flops. And then I would have been like, dude, this guy is straight on like vacation mode. Like he is in Cabo right now. You know, at the all, all you can eat, all you can drink resort, having a good time with his polo on. And I, 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 if, 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 and when he wins the, the gold cup and I hope that happens mm-hmm. and he wins every single, I mean, the guy would be undefeated over eight games or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would just bounce and be like, it's not going to get any better than this. I'm out. Who wants to pay me a buttload of money to coach an MLS? <laughs> He's going to go to Saudi Arabia and get that. <laughs> yeah. With Anthony Hudson. Follow Anthony Hudson. Well, everybody yeah, yeah. just follow the yeah. money trail, dude. Money, follow yeah. the men's show. But, um, uh, no, but yeah, yeah, Jimmy, sorry, r- r- real quick, on the expectations, he has to move this team along. He has to be willing to adapt his style a little bit more. I think that his rigid tactics or maybe the over, 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 over sort of analysis of, of, of the way in which they want to play has to evolve. But this team has evolved. And so he has to put more trust in these players moving forward. He has to give them more responsibility and accountability and not feel like he was three years ago when most of these players had zero experience. And he felt like he needed, and I'm speaking just purely from what I observed, like he needed to hold their hand through a lot of these moments. You've got to put a lot more on these players to say, you know what? These guys have been through it all now. These guys are phenomenal. These guys have so much talent. These guys have proven it in a lot of ways. Then you look at going out with an attacking lineup, taking risks. All these things I think need to now put more on the players and less on him to where he can take more of a secondary role and challenge himself and put people around him that are going to challenge him constantly and challenge the status quo to move them forward. Again, this team is so different than they were a few years ago. A lot of that is because of, and we can say it's not because of Greg, that they were good enough to be called in the national team and any coach would have called them in and blah, blah, blah. But clearly, they've endorsed him. And Jimmy, you and I have been through enough coaches again that you can easily just spin spin an answer and be like, yeah, we're excited. Now we've got a coach we can move forward. Or yeah, we're, you know, he did pretty good with us, you know, or you can say, right, you right, can right. see all the subliminal messaging that happens when players speak. And I know other player, former players again are like, well, what were they supposed to say? You've obviously, you're just stirring the pot. These players can, they're all media trained. Have an interview with them. You can say nothing, but they literally said the right guy for the job when you could have just been like, cool, we got a coach. Now we can move forward. Or, you know, we're excited about right, what right. happened and what could, what, what could be like, there were actual endorsements which means players have some level of relationship with him, and now he needs to pay them back with respecting or trusting those players to do right by him moving forward and give them more trust and accountability. I think it's interesting that there is some emphasis from U.S. soccer to help him improve as a coach. They had to be aware during this 
I'm going to put air quotes up rehiring process because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we just wasted six months of time. I agree. It was uh, a crap rehiring. It was a crap rehiring process. Totally, totally. That, it, yeah. it was. It, it's it's comical uh, in in a lot of different ways. The fact that they hired an outside firm to then hire Greg Berhalter. I mean, how much do those guys get paid? And can they give the money back? Because I don't think they did really anything at all <laughs> yeah. with regard yeah. to that. I feel like there should have been some stipulation there. If we hire the same guy, we get our money back. But. I think it's interesting because the second cycle for the same coach has never gone well here in the U.S. I I wonder and I I appreciate from Matt and Gooch that there's going to be a process. Now, I do think that Greg should be coaching the Gold Cup. I think it's interesting that he's not. I wonder because, you know, I I, I get into my speculative. Is it because there's a B team and if they don't win, then it's not going to look good for him or whatever, you know, whatever we want to throw into that. But what does it matter if it looks good for him? Like you doesn't care what we think or what the fans think of, of the, of, of, of the coach. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's interesting that he would pick it up. Anyway, we just wasted the time. He should have been in charge this whole time. If they're going to stick with him. No, but Uh, Jimmy, I will say on that, go ahead. They weren't, they weren't planning to announce his name until after. Right. And it'd be weird to like, just throw him in there. I think BJ deserves this gold cup for his own personal career. Um, I'm kind of curious to see how he does, I, I to be honest. Yeah, me too. And I, but I'm not. I, I don't think there was a. I think they truly are sitting down with him, saying, "All right, walk us through your plans." Like this idea that everybody's pro Greg Berhalter at US, U.S. Soccer is just not true. Now they might say he was the best of the options given the time frame that we have and who was available and what money we have and all those types of things based on the the data and the stats and all the things that we need to move forward. That's one thing. But th- there's no free pass for him. He is going to be under the microscope. For the next few years, his job is not guaranteed. Maybe the money is, but the and job he is should, not guaranteed. Dude, we're hosting the World Cup in 26. Yeah. He should be under the goddamn microscope. But yeah, I agree. Going. But 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 what I'm saying about that is they do need to sit down with him and say, walk us through the plan. How do you plan to advance this team? Okay, how can we give you tools to make sure that you're held accountable or that you're being you're putting the right team around you that is making sure you are thinking about things clearly to make the right decisions? Because we can't have another Netherlands. Now, don't get me wrong. Coaches either get tactics right or they get them wrong. They get the right lineup or they right. get it wrong. And it happens that's throughout part, your entire the career. Of that's part of it. Of you don't judge anybody based on one game. But when it's the biggest game of a tournament, you've got to look at that and say, that can't happen again. We've got to get. We've got to be better. That's also on the players, right? That's the players got to be better to beat right, the Netherlands. Right. Uh, and so you should be sitting down with him and say, we didn't know who the coach was going to be. This two-month window where they knew they were going to do him or say one-month window um, or next month until September to really map out What's it going to be? Because we're not going to roll the dice. And again, the comments on coaches being hired generally or people being hired on gut feeling was the past. Now you have all kinds of of data data points and analysis to be able to, uh, even players, right? Players aren't being recruited now on being like, well, he looks pretty good on the field. They're being like, well, what's his XG? What are what are his movements? What are what are what's his GPS saying? How fast can he run? How much? How many minutes can he do? What's his injury history? You have this entire world now to be able to analyze a player and go, ah, he's the right fit, or uh, I'm not talking about the national team, or 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 he's the wrong fit, right? Or or his numbers just don't add up as a player, right? Or they do, and he's over-indexing, and now we can get a good value on him. And so I think the the initial initial window, which was a crap process, and I agree with that, should be to hold him accountable and sit down with him and be like, hey, yeah. Now tell us and help, let us help you to make sure that we don't have a Netherlands happen again. Well, his first big test is going to be Copa America in 2024. I know we have some friendlies leading up to that, but in terms of meaningful competition, that's where all eyes are going to be, especially with a big tournament being in the U.S. It's going to be a nice, uh, 
appetizer for the entree that is the World Cup in 2026. All right, we're going to take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, Mexico's manager got fired. What? Only five months in charge, Diego Coca. What happened? Don't go anywhere. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. everybody welcome back to in soccer we trust i'm jimmy conrad alongside heath pierce and not charlie davies because charlie davies i don't know what's going on charlie davies we miss you come back soon and hopefully he'll be back for thursday's show but we let's get, get into the big news Heath, we should get what's t-shirts that? that say not chuck davies on them uh, <laughs> you know because i'm not chuck you're a, not chuck we should get a milk carton and have chuck's face <laughs> on the side of it missing from in soccer we trust all right so some dark days for mexico not only did they get their asses slapped by the U.S. men's national team in a 3-0 loss in the Nations League semifinals, they did win the third-place game, so they got that going for them, winning 1-0. And, uh, but that wasn't enough. They got the bronze medal. Diego Coca has been announced as an ex-coach of Mexico, only five months in charge. He coached seven games. He had three wins, three draws, and one loss. Ten goals, four, eight <laughs> against. Not that great, Heath Pierce. Not I that. love the I lo- I love when something goes wrong. The picture selection that you put out is never like them celebrating a goal. It's always that like <laughs> that is a proper frown. That's like literally somebody just whispered in his ear and was like, "You're fired," and now he's just sort of like staring off into the distance. But yeah, look, I think you know his style of play doesn't fit. And actually, Hercules Gomez said it the other day, which was like his style of play doesn't fit the Mexican sort of, of DNA of the, no, of the type no, no. of the we, team. But we knew that when we got hired. I mean, this guy, Coach yeah. Atlas, he played a, ultimately a 5-3-2. How do you think the guy's going to come in and, and play? I mean, that's what had him lead Atlas to success and win their first trophy. I know he had a cup of coffee with Tigres before taking over Mexico, but but there was only one style he was going to play that he's been sticking with throughout, and that's not the DNA of Mexico's national team. And so it was always going to play out this way, in my humble opinion. Also, I, I was just surprised that that they fired him so quickly. But also, like, that team was crap on the field, right? When you're playing U.S., US Mexico, we had a lot of tactics. But more than, more than anything, it was just get out there and fight, compete for every ball. And the U.S. ran all over them. And at no point did Mexico come to life in a pro-Mexico crowd in a way that felt like, oh no, the tides are, you know, like Jimmy, you and I both played Mexico and those moments happen where you feel that shift and you're like, oh man, this was going really well. And now they're, you can feel them leaning on us. Yeah. The crowd's into it. And you're like, dude, you, we've got to, we've got to weather this for whether it's a minute or 20 minutes. It was like that, that was like a very tough, tough uh, thing. And, and, and they just had no, no energy to come out with that. So I think again, smart on, on on FMF to 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 uh, make the change early now because you still got time to bring in whoever that next person is going to be to yeah. to to get things on the right path. But I still look at that player pool and Mexico's player pool is not what it no, was. No, it's not. 
No, 100. Yeah. percent I think what's interesting is that uh, Jimmy Lozano has been named interim for Mexico for the Gold Cup, and I guess maybe they're taking notes from us that hey, look at an interim coach can have success, so we're going to throw <laughs> some other guy out there and make it happen. And there's a great comment as well about well, now Mexico can hire Pep and have Mourinho and Ancelotti as uh, assistants, uh, <laughs> just because those guys are just going to be available for any team in North America national team that that needs. Tigres could do that. Tigres could afford bringing Pep in. You know, they spend. Everything they make, they spend. Uh, but the Mexican national team, I don't, I don't, nah, come on, come on now. Yeah, it's interesting times for, for Mexico in particular. I think they have to take a real hard look at, at where they are and what they need to do. And they don't have as many players over in, in Europe. You know, and obviously that's been a big point of contention for them and their fan group, their fans, excuse me, for, for a long time. How do we get, and their journalists, like, how do we get more players playing over in Europe, playing in the biggest games? I know Chucky Lozano just won. The Scudetto with uh, Napoli and and uh, Jimenez has been great in the Dutch league. Uh, Raul Jimenez, obviously, with that unfortunate head injury uh, not too long ago, what, a year and a half ago, maybe. He's not been the same player since. Chicharito never gets called in. Carlos Vela doesn't seem interested. And it felt like maybe, also, I think they they relied on that older generation maybe a little bit longer than they should have. With uh, I know Herrera still gets gets uh, some looks, but Guardado in particular. And, and when you continue to rely on guys that are of a certain age, you know, maybe mid thirties, even, even older than that, you're taking away opportunities to blood other players and give them opportunities to step up and, and showcase themselves. We had to do that. We were forced to do that in 2018 when we didn't qualify. And obviously we've been uh, benefiting from a great generation, but I actually think our infrastructure is pretty, pretty sound and it's looking uh, pretty good. And Mexico's not looking so great right now. So I'm kind of curious to see who they hire, obviously first and foremost, and then what kind of changes are they going to make to their infrastructure overall? Because it doesn't look great for them in the near future. Yeah, and I think again the 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 emergence of MLS academies has changed the dynamic of our player development. Right, almost every player now, outside of maybe call it um, Sergio Dest and Anthony Robinson, Christian Pulisic, I guess pre academy, um, have some sort of touch and feel through a player development system as becoming uh, being in young professional systems all the way through. Mexico also used to export a lot more and they've got only a few players really pushing the envelope uh, in Europe right now compared to the, the player pool that we have uh, as young players, whether they started in MLS or not. Uh, uh, and now the dual national approach has obviously uh, been phenomenal for us and being right, able to bring right. So They've just got a lot to fix and sometimes that's a generational shift and I don't think they really... That should have happened three years ago for Mexico, right? Yeah, and they've right, that right. entire window, like you said, of bringing players through. Maybe that's a developmental problem. Maybe that's a a again relying too much on the veterans or or a combination of 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 everything, including right. the domestic and the young players not being good enough. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. It actually feels like we might have to have a new rival, and it's not Mexico; it's Canada. So that'll be uh, interesting. Now, John Herdman, the coach of Canada. He came out and said after this game against the U.S., he's vented some frustration with his federation. And he said, this is his quote, we've got to get serious about winning the World Cup. When you play at home, you get a chance to win it. We've brought a World Cup to our country and we're not serious about winning it. And you see how close that team is tonight. Tactically, we were there. Chances, shots, we were there. The margins were so tight tonight, so tight. We've got to get real and quick because these players, they deserve it. Now, to give you some context of where this frustration comes from, Canada only had a four-day camp coming into this nation's league. And, and I think his frustration is, is starting from that, maybe some other things that we are unaware of or stuff that's been coming out just through the lack of support of the Canadian Federation. But uh, they haven't won a trophy since 2000 when they won the CONCACAF Gold Cup. 
and they have the talent. This is a golden generation for them. So for them not to get that type of support, we've already seen seen it on the women's side for the, for Canada not getting necessarily the support that they deserve as well, given their quality and their success. That, it's that's a business, tough. Though. Yeah, it's, Mexico. It, well, Mexico's got some issues. Canada's got some issues, and and I know that we rehired Greg Berhalter, and that's creating its own issues, but. But it just feels like we're in a healthier place, and that feels awesome. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I agree. But it's it's a business, right? These are these are businesses. You've got to build the infrastructure. Like where it, it comes from, commercial dollars, right? They need they need support in stadiums. They need commercial dollars. You need all. It's not just the federation taking money from youth sport and just being able to play, pay the men and women's first teams, right? It's 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 youth team infrastructure. It's all those things. And it requires significant dollars to take right. it serious. Now, winning right. the World Cup, I think that's... Uh, I, I get that as a North Star. I think Canada are quite a ways off of that, um, as are the U.S. Um, at this point. Uh, but there does need to be uh, the Federation recognizing we should probably take some cues from other federations that have advanced and yeah. moved forward based on the quality that we yeah. have on the men's and the women's side at the first team, leverage that to get the dollars we need to take this more serious so that we can have longer camps, so we can have better player development, so we can have better player monitoring, so that we can build our youth national teams in a way that we're developing players. You've got the Canadian Premier League. You've got Major League Soccer connected to it all. Like You need to be able to start building that infrastructure so that you can drive those dollars in because it's not just like some like Mr. Canada writing a check to be like, well, either sure. I'm going to write it or not. You have to have the funds to be able to do it. I don't know what their yeah. financial uh, numbers are, but our, our, our umbrella within the U S soccer circles is able to pull dollars commercially as well as, as, as through the, through the sport itself uh, that can help to uh, that can help to fund all of these teams. But we also ran out of money in the last couple of years and need to rebuild those coffers. At one point, we were sitting on like 150 um, or 125, whatever that exact number is. Don't quote me on that. But um, that that helped. Then it got depleted. We lost the the mental academy, which was a, a financial driver. And now the U.S. has to rebuild that after breaking off of of Soccer United marketing towards 2026 to get the money to then advance the the program forward. Well, hopefully, Copa America being on our shores. Will make a big difference as well. Obviously, going to be pretty important competition for us, for Canada, and for Mexico. All three of us, of course, are hosting the World Cup in 2026. All right, Heath. Final thoughts before we let everybody go, and as we start to prepare for Thursday's show, which is going to be a nice breakdown of the Gold Cup and our roster and our chances, and more BJ Callahan, which is going to be awesome. Looking like a dad and needing some flip flops uh, for that tournament in particular. Final thought for me, and then I'll, I'll throw it over to you. We scored five goals against our two biggest rivals in CONCACAF over these two Nations League games, and we gave up zero, and that is what's up. I'm super excited about this group. I love their energy. I love their spirit, their enthusiasm, their desire to take risks, their desire to play on the front foot and to not take any shit, and that bodes so well, and I hope that obviously we take that energy and we share it with the team that's going to be representing us at the Gold Cup as well. And again, we'll talk about that on Thursday. Final thought from you, Heath Pierce. Yeah, I think it's probably in a similar vein. Like, I'm, I am not uh, pro Greg Berhalter. I'm not a Greg Berhalter disciple. But what I do know, and having spent my entire career in systems that with coaches that I didn't pick and environments that I didn't create, is that at a certain point, we've got to get on board with just supporting this national team moving forward, right? It's fine. You can dislike him all you want. Uh, but for us, I think the more that we support this team on heading towards home soil, 
hold him to a high standard, hold the players to a high standard, the better it's going to be because I like the positive. I'm, a, I'm, I, I, I live in the vibes based economy, Jimmy. You know, that's how I transact. And we need the vibes. You're, you're, and so, well, I always knew you were the Christian Roldan of the show. So that's yeah. uh, not a big surprise. Uh, on that. Uh, the, 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 it's, it's just my final thought is I'm going to keep on pushing that narrative <laughs> because I like, I like positivity. And when there's time to be negative, let's do that. Let's, when it's time to be critical, let's do that. But let's not just like blow right it all now, up, uh, for, for no reason. Right now, though, it's time to celebrate because that was a hell of a performance from the guys for two games. Congratulations to well them done, once boys. again for winning the CONCACAF Nations League. And we'll see you guys on Thursday. Thank you for listening and watching In Soccer We Trust. On behalf of producer Des, producer Alex, Chuck Wagon, Hollywood, and Conrad Dino, we thank you again for all the love and support. We'll see you in a couple days. Later! Original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.